0: Good morning, afternoon, evening, and welcome to the 8311cast, your premier Midwestern based sports podcast, bringing you all things sports to your beautiful ears. Join your hosts, Kyle Mersch, Mike Ludwig, Ariane Berry, and Wyatt Teeter, as we talk about college football, the MLB, the NBA, and of course, our signature segments, Mike Stupid Rules and Write That Down Predictions, here on episode 241.
1: All right, so the MLB season is officially over and we are moving on to the postseason. Uh, We will talk a little bit more about that later on, but we had some pretty sizable rule changes this year for the first time in quite a long time in the MLB. So I just wanted to go over a a couple year-ending stats that are kind of interesting and related. You can look up some more if you would like. Uh, MLB attendance was up 9.6% over last year, which is their largest growth in 30 years. Kind of shows a little bit of interest and excitement over these rule changes. People felt like they could maybe go and spend a little bit less time there than they had before. Uh, Because games were down 24 minutes on average from last year, which is pretty substantial. Uh, There were only nine games all season that lasted three and a half hours or longer. Uh, The amount of games that lasted three and a half hours or longer last year was 390. So way, way down on those really long games. Another big change we saw um, was the size of the bases bumped up. And this was the most stolen bases in almost 40 years in the MLB. Uh, it was 1.4 stolen bases per game on average, which was up from 1.0. Um, and then we had the pitch clock. And uh, there were violations, obviously, that could be handed out both for pitchers and batters. Uh, the Mets led the league with 57 violations, which is bad. Pitcher and batter combined, a uh, big surprise. Uh, just going along with their really good season, at least they led the league in something. Uh, the Mariners had the least violations with 15 And then in individuals, Craig Kimbrell almost matched the Mariners altogether, and he had 13 violations personally. Uh, And then just a little side note as well, runs increased from 8.6 to 9.2 from last year. Uh, that could potentially have been because of the shift. Batting averages did go up a little bit this year as well. Home runs and strikeouts, I think, both increased as well, but not historically so. Uh, there's definitely some more information out there. There's a lot of fun the Braves, data. Go ahead.
2: I say the, the Braves tied the Twins' all-time home run record for a single season at 307. They were up, going to the ninth inning of the last game of the year, down a home run behind the Twins. But they blew that lead and then hit a meaningless home run in the ninth inning of that game <laughs> to tie yeah. the record. I was upset.
1: But yeah, a lot but of anyway, a lot of fun data to look over this year because of just how big the changes were to the game, and it'll be interesting to kind of look over that. I know something that we were all interested in was: are there going to be an increase to injuries this year with the the changes to the pitch clock? You don't have enough time to recuperate. I haven't seen any data on that or any articles on that, but I'll be interested to see if that does come out or if that was factual at all or if it made no change whatsoever.
3: Yeah, when you mentioned the stolen base stat, um, I actually expected that to be a little bit higher, mainly in large part, uh, Ronald Acuna himself stealing, what was it, 70 bases this year? Uh, well, shout out
1: to Bobby Witt Jr. as well.
3: And Bobby Witt got 49. He didn't quite get 50. Uh, he gave it his all in the last two games of the season, but was caught stealing twice and picked off once. Um,
2: Oof, that's that, that is
3: That is rough. He was going for it, uh, but people were definitely not wanting to let him have it. Uh, but what I did look up is I thought there would be more stolen bases than there were 1.4 up like from 1.0 as Ariane had mentioned. So I looked into this a little bit more. Uh, so I wanted to know what was the success rate this year on stolen bases and the success rate according to MLB.com was 80%. So MLB teams were stealing 41% more bases this season than they did in 2022. Uh, There have been more steals in 2023 than any year since 1987. Uh, And teams have been successful over 80% of the time, more than four percentage points higher than any other season since at least 1951, which I would imagine that's when they actually started keeping tabs on these a little bit more. So yeah, I... That it, that number interests me a little bit more than, you know, just the stat that you gave out, Ariane, But they yeah. were ultimately extremely successful in the base path
1: uh, base paths this year uh, when it came to steals. So that one definitely feels like you can point out that it made a difference that is quantifiable within one year. Yeah. But overall, I, th- I think the rules were pretty well accepted especially for like baseball. Them.
2: Yeah, I liked them for the most part.
3: I mean, if you have your baseball purist of this podcast saying that he likes them and doesn't right. mind them, I I think MLB did it did a good thing here. They didn't piss off too many of their like legacy fans, we'll call them, and they brought in a lot of new attendance uh to these games. So um it was really helpful for the sport and we'll see uh how this kind of shapes up as we
1: head into the postseason this year yeah my only big negative is that they uh committed to just keeping the stupid ghost runner but uh, apparently they're just gonna stick with that even though everybody seems to hate it except
2: uh except the players i was gonna players say like
1: fan wise but uh, unless anybody has anything else, we can move on to uh, college football for this week.
0: I'd also like to add that the Go Universal ahead. DH is also as bad as the Ghost Runner. Almost as bad as the Ghost Runner is. Everything else has is fair. The Universal, Universal DH. DH.
2: Oh, sh- it's not as bad as the Ghost Runner. That's it's definitely
1: not as bad, but I don't like it.
2: I agree. I don't like it, but.
1: I will say one
3: of the biggest crimes, though, was the Royals organization not letting Zach cranky hit in his potential final career game.
2: They let Wayne um, do it. I, was say, I, I, say know. It.
3: I know. they should have let cranky do it. I was, I was mad about that. But uh, as we'll we'll get to MLB, uh, we'll do a continuation of the MLB here in a little bit as we talk about the postseason, but. In between here, we're going to touch on the Cyclone football game this past weekend as the Cyclones did travel to Norman, Oklahoma to take on the Sooners. As 20 and a half point underdogs uh, in this game, things started out rough. Uh, I, I believe on his third uh, passing or drop back and passing attempt of the game, uh, Rocco Beck threw a very ill-advised uh, throw to the far right sideline um which resulted in a interception and then a nice run back for a touchdown. So Oklahoma got their got it started out with a bang on defense. After that though Rocco Beck did have a great uh rebound drive um post that and was efficient. They were moving the ball well, they were getting a lot of big runs uh, and it ended up with a complete breakdown in coverage as Jalen Noel was able to get a 49-yard touch or a 51-yard touchdown reception uh, via Rocco Becht. Uh, But as much as we would have liked this to be, you know, an old air raid shootout, it wasn't. Oklahoma just kept putting, pouring it on, uh, and Iowa State's defense really wasn't able to stop it. Uh, As Matt Campbell said after the game, this game basically turned into 7-on-7. There was not a lot of... Um, pressure that the defensive line was able to get against the OU front. Um, Dylan Gabriel had all kinds of time to scramble around and throw and pick and find places in the defense. Uh, It's hard for a really good defense to defend for that long. If there is no pressure, they get worn down uh, and it's hard to cover those scramble type situations. Um, Lots of big plays, big touchdown drives by Oklahoma um, Dylan Gabriel I believe had two rushing touchdowns himself as well as three uh, passing touchdowns. Um, Rocco Beck made some some nice plays in the first half, um, really in the first quarter. but at the end of the first quarter it was 21 to 10. Iowa State did cut that lead down 21 to 17 uh, and then 21 to 20 early in the second quarter, but then after that, that's all she wrote. Iowa State couldn't muster any more points, and Oklahoma scored um, four or twenty-nine points unanswered after that. Uh, so it wasn't it wasn't exactly what we were hoping for. Uh, I was expecting maybe in the second half Iowa State could at least put together a nice drive and get at least a field goal out of it or a, a touchdown. But Rocco had another interception in the second half, and the offense just looked all kinds of disjointed uh they got away from a lot of the things that were working in the first half and that's honestly the summary uh they got run out of town um after the end of the after about uh seven minutes into the second quarter so
2: you i'm pretty sure you jinxed this one kyle because you sent us a message that uh there were holes everywhere on the oklahoma defense and then we don't score the rest of the that's
3: game. That was what it looked like. I <laughs> I wanted to see if it if I was if I was like, is this OUD? Well, because so here's the thing. They put up a graphic that said this was the best Oklahoma defense in like 10 years um, on the screen. And I after what I was seeing, I was like, are we sure about this or have they just not played anyone good yet? Where their uh, metrics and efficiencies are are overblown? um cuz there were a lot of holes in the defense that we were getting a lot of long runs which what Iowa State's running the football and getting 10 uh 12 yards in the ground game um but there there were some opportunities and I don't know what happened to the play calling and if we just started getting uncomfortable OU's defense finally settled in they changed their scheme up a little bit I I wasn't able to follow that aspect to really put that into perspective but yeah, we just didn't score any points after I sent that message.
2: I mean, in the end, it wasn't a great performance, but what, what did you expect, right? I'm not that disappointed. I expected to get killed by Oklahoma. I would have liked to keep it a little bit closer. But, I mean, I'm not upset that we got killed by, by Oklahoma. We can still get to a ball game. We didn't need this one to get to a bowl game. That should be the goal at this point. That, that's about all I got.
1: Yeah, obviously, you don't want to get stomped. But when the, the Vegas line is 20, chances are it's not going to be a very close game.
2: Yeah, we were actually able to run the ball decently, um, which is unexpected. We ran for 157 yards, almost four yards per rush, which is pretty good Uh, overall. I will take that, Um, especially considering some of that was lost due to sacks. I guess only two yards, but still. Um, Some good averages. Our three main backs averaged 9.6, 5.9, and 8.5 yards per rush. Um, that's much better than what we've been seeing. Um, that is good. I will take that for sure. Some encouraging signs. So we'll see from there. Any other thoughts on this week's game?
3: I don't have any others.
2: No. All right. Well, uh, the grind doesn't stop for your Cyclones. (laughs) They play again next Saturday night game under the lights at Jack Troy stadium at 7 PM on FS two, which I didn't, I'm going to be honest until I looked at this right before the episode. I didn't even know FS2 was a channel. So I I, I don't know how to tell you to watch this. Is that, I don't know if that's like a streaming only channel or what. But, I mean, watch it if you can figure out what the heck FS2 is. Or maybe that's just a typo on ESPN. Who knows?
1: ESPN's trying you to sabotage their broadcast. They're like, yeah, it's, uh, two, look for that.
2: Yeah, not one, two. Yep. So I guess figured it'll be on the Fox network somewhere. Um, TCU is currently six and a half point favorites in that game, um, and ESPN's FPI gives them a 65% chance to win. It seems about right to me. TCU's certainly not as good as they were last year, but they're definitely better than than the Cyclones, I would say. We have a chance, but uh, I wouldn't say it's a great chance. So we'll see. We'll, of course, fill you in on everything we see in that game on next week's episode. But really what we want to spend a majority of our time focusing on this week is Major League Baseball. The regular season ended on Sunday and the playoffs start tomorrow. So we want to give you our MLB playoff preview. Firstly, the bracket. In the, me. In the American League, um, the number one seed is the Baltimore Orioles. They held off the Rays um down the stretch and were able to um, were able to secure that number one seed and first round bye. The number two seed after a crazy battle in the AL West over the last three weeks, Houston on the last day came from behind to catch Texas and um, secure that number two seed in the American League. The three seed as we uh, had already knew would be the twins. Um Four seed is Tampa Bay. The five seed is the Texas Rangers. and six is the Toronto Blue Jays with um, the Seattle Mariners ending up just outside um, looking in. They did not quite get um, into the playoffs, so they will they can start another um, postseason drought. Like they, had, uh, like they had prior to their appearance last year. Um, that sets up the matchups in the American League for this week, wildcard week. You've got Blue Jays at Twins. Um, those games will start at 3.38 p.m. on ESPN. Um, these are Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday series. Um, and then same thing, you've got Rangers at Rays. Those are two starts on ABC. Uh, any thoughts on the American League playoff race? Do we want to do predictions for how the playoffs are going to work out? Or or, or were our, our, our regular season ones so bad we don't want to don't want to go there?
1: I mean, they, they were pretty
3: I'm, bad. I don't know about you guys, but I had a pretty high success rate. Well, you do we'll know get to about that.
2: In, we'll get to that in a second. Don't get ahead of yourself there, Kyle. I'm asking if we want to predict the playoffs, or just let it be.
3: Uh, no, I, I would just say let it be, but Yeah, that's
2: fair. Fair enough. enough. Um, So that is the American League. Those wild cards, like I said, are Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Um, The winner of the Twins Blue Jays series will get the Astros. And then the winner of the other series that Rangers Ways series will get the Orioles. Over in the National League, the Atlanta Braves won the AL East um, and clinched the best record in baseball for the number one overall seed. Um, The number two seed was the Dodgers. Milwaukee ended up winning the NL Central and getting the three seed. The four seed went to the Philadelphia Phillies. They had a pretty decent lead in the wild card there, so that was definitely as expected. Um, And then the five and six seeds came right down to the wire in the National League. Um, And in the end, the Marlins picked up the 5 seed with the Arizona Diamondbacks picking up the 6 seed with the Cubs and the Reds being the two teams on the outside looking in. Wyatt, do you have any thoughts on the um implosion the Cubs had at the end of the regular season that uh has them going home instead of uh to a wild card series? I'm not sure about
0: implosion. It's just more back to the status quo and how they played at the beginning of the season. I mean, we didn't see this uptick in performance until halfway through the season and to see a decline while disappointing. um, I can't say I'm ultimately surprised. I'm glad to see that they even made it this far into, you know, even giving some hope that they're going to make it to the postseason. I was surprised. So a disappointing end, but it's still better than what I would have anticipated if you asked me at the beginning of the season.
1: Yeah, I feel like at the beginning of the season, we would have thought it would be more like the, you know, Royal season or the Cardinals season. <laughs> but they exactly. had a pretty good season. Yeah.
2: I mean, in the end, they gave you fun baseball throughout the regular season, which is good, right? It turns out to be a long summer if your team is bad, right, Ryan and Kyle? Yeah, yeah, you're not wrong. So in the NL, so then the the playoff matchups in the NL to um, start the wild card round, you've got the Diamondbacks at the Brewers, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Those will be six o eight starts on ESPN two, and then you've got the Marlins and the Phil- at the Phillies. Those will be seven o eight starts on ESPN. That's what you got. Um, we'll see how that shakes out, and then the uh, D-backs Brewers winner will get the Dodgers, and the Marlins, Phillies winner will get the Braves. So definitely have some uh, some tough uh, tough matchups there but it should be fun. Playoff baseball is always fun. You'll be able to watch baseball uh, pretty much all afternoon um, for the next three days. So enjoy that. Um, we'll let you know how the wild card series end up and how the, the uh, division series will start over the weekend. So we'll let you know how those have started um, on next week's episode. Before we keep moving along though, uh, we need to review our predictions like we normally do. Um, some of us were average. Some of us were good, and some of us were bad. Um, how do we want to do this? We want to go division by division, person by person. What do you guys think would be best?
3: Division by yeah. division, I think.
2: All right. Um, in the AL East, we all were bad, um, is pretty much what I'll say, um, is that we were all bad. Um, me, Kyle, and Wyatt all picked the Blue Jays, and Ariane picked the Yankees. So uh, at least for me, Kyle, and Wyatt – um, our teams made the playoffs, though they didn't win the division. Um, and for Orion, um, yeah, the Yankees didn't even make the playoffs. So um, so not a great AL East. Uh, nobody, I don't think hardly anybody nationally picked the uh, Orioles. So, so uh, that was a surprise for everybody. None of us picked the first or second team in that uh, division, which is really what's weird. In the AL Central, is another one we were all wrong. We all picked the Guardians, and they finished third in that division. They ended up falling behind the Tigers, even. In the AL West, Mikhail and Arian were correct picking the Astros, whereas um, Wyatt, you picked the Mariners. Um, so three of the four of us were right, he, uh, and Wyatt, you were not um, I had also picked the Yankees as my American League champion, so I also got that wrong. Whereas Kyle had the Rays, Wyatt had the Blue Jays, and Arion had the Astros. So all of them are still in it for their possible AL champion. So just for the record, I was one and two, Kyle was one and two, Arian was one and two, and Wyatt was O and three in the American League. In the National League, Kyle, Arian, and myself had the Braves. Um, winning the NL East, Wyatt had the Mets. So three of us right there. In the NL Central, Ariane and I had the Cardinals, where Kyle and Wyatt got the Brewers correct. In the NL West, Kyle and I were correct with the Dodgers. Wyatt and Ariane were wrong with the Padres. Wyatt and Ariane have also lost their NL champions because um, Wyatt had the Padres and Ariane had the Cardinals, whereas I have the Dodgers and Kyle has the Phillies. Still in it. And we also have a World Series champion still in it. I had the Dodgers, Kyle had the Phillies, Wyatt had the Blue Jays, and Ariane had the Astros. So four different champions, all of them made the playoffs.
1: There's still a little bit of um, glory left in there for us.
2: Yes, there is. Um, so overall, I was three and three in my division winners, Kyle was four and two, um, Wyatt was one and five, and Ariane was two and four. So, I mean, Kyle, that was pretty good. Four out of six division winners is pretty good. Wyatt, that was not great. That's all I'll say.
0: I got one. That's more than I thought I'd get. (laughs) Let's be real. Your
2: picks weren't terrible. Like, I would not have been surprised if any of the teams you picked won the division. It's not like you picked ridiculous things, just didn't happen. Baseball is tough to predict over 162 games. So, any other thoughts on how the MLB wrapped up or uh, what to expect in the playoffs from anybody?
1: If I had to just pick, right, like, Champ, the World Series, I would say, give me the Braves and the Astros right now. That's as far as I'll
2: go. The Braves go are for sure the anything. best team. The Braves are for sure the best team.
1: Yeah, the
3: Brewers, uh, I believe, are going to be without one of their starters, Woodruff maybe, throughout the playoffs. Um, and the Orioles took a big hit when they lost their closer right before the postseason. So those teams, obviously, there's, there's some... Uh, work left to be done. Uh, The Orioles had the best record in the American League for a reason, but we'll see if that can translate to postseason success Um, since they are a very, very young team who has never been there before. But if you're going to put money on teams right now, the Braves and the Astros are probably the hot teams at the right time.
2: So the uh, Astros did just lose to the Royals. Just saying
3: the Astros. Well, that is true. They did get swept by the, by the Royals, but they
2: lost five out of six to the Royals in September.
3: Yeah, that's not great. That's not Uh, great. But they have the people who have been there before. They know what that postseason success looks like. Um, So I don't know. It's hard to put money, not on the Astros right now when they have been there so much. And that experience does is meaningful in my opinion.
2: Yeah, I agree. Hearing no other thoughts on the playoffs, we have some big news in the NBA. I will turn it over to our NBA expert, Arian, and I'm sure Kyle's going to say some things too, to um, discuss.
1: Yeah, hello. Guess what? It's only 22 days until the start of the NBA season. Uh, Which is crazy. Right? Snuck up on us. I mean,
2: it's the same thing with the NHL. There are already – NHL preseason games have happened.
1: Yeah, kind of crazy. We're all the way through Summer League. Media days are happening now, and then we'll start reporting, and we'll be there in less than four weeks. Uh, But the big news to this week was uh, Damian Lillard was finally traded. He had requested it, basically, at the draft after they drafted um, Scoot. Um, So he ended up going to kind of a dark horse. I hadn't really heard anyone speaking about it. Uh, Damian Lillard ended up going to the Milwaukee Bucks. In a three team trade. So the Bucks got Damian Lillard. The Trailblazers got back Drew Holiday, DeAndre Ayton, Tumani Kamara, a 2029 unprotected first round pick, and a 2028 and 2030 unprotected first round pick swap right. And then you may have heard some people who are not on the Trailblazers or the Bucs, the Suns came in as that third team, adding a little bit of depth to their roster. Uh, they got Yusuf Nurkic, kind of a center swap from Ayton to Nurkic. Uh, Grayson Allen, Nasir Little, and Keon Johnson. Um, and I would like to talk about parts of this trade, but I'm just, it ties into another trade. So I'll talk about the next one next, and then we'll kind of go team by team and talk about it. Uh, Drew Holiday, kind of an older guy, doesn't really fit on this tanking or whatever you want to call it, developing young talent trailblazers team. He would much make make a lot more sense going to a contender who's looking to win this season. So he got flipped for more assets, and Drew Holiday got traded to the Celtics. And the Trailblazers in return for that got back Robert Williams III, Malcolm Brogdon, a 2024 first-round pick via Golden State. Lord knows how that ended up there, but I'm not going to figure out how. Um, And then they got a 2029 unprotected first-rounder from the Celtics as well. So then you look at that, there is potential for them to move on from Malcolm Brogdon as well. Maybe Robert Williams. Robert Williams kind of makes sense with their team a little bit more. He's a little younger. They don't have a lot of big guys there in Portland. But Malcolm Brogdon doesn't necessarily fit into their plan. So you could see them flip this trade to even more stuff, potentially, down the road. So kind of interesting there. Um, Just some interesting trades overall. I thought both of them were pretty interesting. Um, And then, you know, we have the questions that we have to ask every time a trade happens. Uh, Who won? Who lost? And uh, really, the big thing is, who's the who's the favorite in the Eastern Conference? Now? This is a massive shakeup of talent, specifically around the East. So let's go ahead and start with the Bucks, right? The Bucks ended up getting Damian Lillard, um, kind of continuing on this trend where they started off with uh, Eric Bledsoe, turned Eric Bledsoe into Drew Holiday, and now we've turned Drew Holiday into Damian Lillard. So I'm not sure where else they can go uh, to get a better point guard from there, but they've kind of just kept adding and adding and adding. And now they have pretty much the apex point guard. I'm not really sure how you guard a Giannis Dame pick and roll. Good luck to all the defenders. Um, but just looking at their net from last year to this year, they added Damian Lillard and Malik Beasley are kind of their biggest additions in the offseason. You can kind of count Jay Crowder. he only come in at the end and he didn't really play. And then this year they lost Grayson Allen, Drew Holiday, and I didn't realize they lost Javon Carter as well. So that's kind of their additions and subtractions. Obviously what they gain... Is just the offensive force that is Damian Lillard, as well as another good shooter in Malik Beasley, who's a passable defender. But they did lose two guys who are really good defenders on the perimeter in Drew Holiday and Javon Carter, and they lost a good shooter in Grayson Allen. Allen. Overall, I do think it makes their team better. Um, It'll be interesting to see how long this team stays together or how long Damian Lillard is at his kind of apex form. But they're not really worried about that. They're worried about keeping Giannis happy, keeping him in Milwaukee and trying to win a title right now because they have the potential to do that. Um, Kyle, do you have any thoughts on the box? Uh, I mean, I honestly, what
3: I saw out of this a little bit, and you can, uh, we can debate this or not, you know, does this keep Giannis happy in Milwaukee um, going forward? Obviously this is a, this is a good situation for Dame, um, whether he knew it or not initially, I think there are obviously more pieces on this team for him to be a contender than where he wanted to go to, which was Miami. Um, Because on any given night, if Damian Lillard, if if Damian Lillard only had in Miami, Jimmy Butler and then Bam Adebayo, Jimmy Butler has played what, like on average fifty? I saw a stat about this, like mid fifty games per season over the past couple of years. He's either hurt or tired just because the workload falls on him too much. And then you're looking around and it's Damian Lillard and Bam out of bio. Whereas now you have uh, Giannis who can go get taken, take over a night. Um, you have all these other guys who can help you out more and you get your prime spotlight. Damian Lillard, fourth quarter Dame time. Like that's his calling card. I think this is the perfect fit for him. Um, But obviously losing Drew Holiday sucks and we'll get into it in a little bit in what now I think about Drew Holiday and where he's at. But I think I don't know. I think Damian Lillard is in the best spot. And I guess congrats to the Suns, by the way, for getting your bench players.
1: Um, Now you have a full roster. (laughs) Yeah, so I really I really like the fit as well. Giannis's best attributes are that he is basically unstoppable in the transition offense and he is just a defensive monster whereas damien he basically just is a half court offense i mean once he steps past half court he is an offense you can't really stop him the man can pull up from anywhere it, obviously it does suck to lose drew holiday but like that's how trades work right you have to give something up to get something so it's just deciding whether you think that damien lillard adds more to your team than drew holiday did and you know you have a half court guy you have a transition guy and then you have your kind of iso In between Guy and Chris Middleton, if he can stay healthy and be the guy that he can be this year, I I really like that team a lot. And I don't know, I I think they'll be pretty darn good. But it's always hard to, you know, speculate these things out. We'll look at the the Suns here. This is probably the one people are talking the least about. However, I feel like it's an important one. Um, The Suns did swap out DeAndre Ayton for Yusuf Nurkic, basically, in the starting lineup, one for one. I saw a lot of people saying, oh, Yusuf Nurkic is such a downgrade. He's not as good. Why would you do this? The reason they would do this is because DeAndre didn't want to play there, right? He asked to be traded. They matched him because they didn't want to get rid of him. He didn't talk to the coaches. He didn't talk to the players. That That's just going to kill your locker room. That's not going to be beneficial for you throughout the year. And with the guys that they have and what they've sent out, they don't have time to baby somebody or feed them post-touches if they want it need to feel important. Like, you have Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, and Bradley Beal on your team. You're going to have to suck it up. So while Yusuf Nurkic may be not as good, he has these games where he goes off for, like, 30 points and 18 rebounds. He's a decent passer, better than people think he is. I think he'll accept his role pretty well, and I think that that is a good switch for them, just as far as how they're going to have to play this year. Grayson Allen has shaped into a very good NBA player. He's not a fantastic defender but he is a good shooter. He's a good scorer. He played in the playoffs when the Bucks won the championship. That's really what you're looking for, right? Playoff guys to add to your rotation. Nasir Little is a sneaky guy who he's a little bit better than most people think he is. You haven't heard his name a lot. He's been injured a little. He's been in Portland, but he could be like a pretty important backup wing guy when all these alphas go to the bench. And then you have Keon Johnson. To be honest, I don't know a lot about Keon Johnson, but I'm sure he's great too. Who knows? Um, and then, I mean, you're looking at The Trailblazers, let's just mash this all together, right? They end up with DeAndre Ayton, a really good young center who hopefully in a new place, he's a little bit happier, a little bit better. You have Tumani Kamara, who if you've never heard of him, that's because he just got drafted this year. I think he was the 52nd pick. Um, And now you're looking at a 2024 first-round pick, a 2029 first-round pick, another 2029 first-round pick, all unprotected, as well as rights to pick swaps in 2028 and 2030. Uh, So you have a lot of draft capital and then you have all those players. And then you also got Robert Williams, the third and Malcolm Brogdon, a center rotation of eight and Williams, the third. That's that's really good. If that's what you're going to stick with. Maybe they try and move uh, Williams, but who knows? And you have Brogdon as well, who could be a really good kind of mentor type to these younger guys. He's a he's a really good NBA player. He just won six man of the year, you know. That was last year. The only problem is he gets injured all the time. But hey, that helps his uh, bench presence, right? Sit with these guys. So I really like what the Trailblazers got back. I think it was what they got here that I'm looking at is much better than what they were ever going to get from Miami. Despite everyone saying, why don't they just take the deal from Miami? That's the best they're going to get. This looks a lot better. I don't think you were going to get what you got for Drew Holiday from Tyler Hero. I just don't think you are. Um, It'll be interesting to see if they stand pat with the players they have now or if they try and which around some of those guys from the Celtics. And then you have your last team here that were involved, which is the Celtics. Obviously, they get Drew Holiday. They get a big switchable point guard who can play defense and score some. Now, people were saying, I think that the Celtics are the best team in the East now. I think that they're the favorites. I think they're better than the Bucs. I hear a lot of people saying that. Personally, I don't agree. I think it's very close, but I don't love it. When I look at their team, you know, their additions and subtractions this year, right? They added Drew Holiday and they added Chris Depp's Porzingis. However, what they lost was Robert Williams III, Malcolm Progden, Marcus Smart, Grant Williams. So you have to decide for yourself if you think Drew Holiday and Kristaps Porzingis are better than all four of those players because those are all rotation guys, guys that you could play in the playoffs. And now I look at the Celtics roster and I'm like, cool, you got your starting lineup, right? Let's just go Drew Holiday, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Kristaps Porzingis and uh, blanking uh, Al Horford. Sure. Let's say that's your starting five. You take Derek White off the bench, or you can put Derek White in and put one of the big guys off the bench, whatever you want to do. But then I look at this bench and I'm like, who plays after those six guys? Uh, Is it Sam Hauser, Luke Cornett, Peyton Pritchard? Those are your best guys off the bench. Does that inspire like a ton of confidence in you? Are those guys going to be guys you can count on in the playoffs? I know your rotations get cut down in the postseason, but you have to get through a whole regular season first. And if you're basically playing six guys and hoping for the best on three to four more, it's dangerous. Al Horford is 37 years old. He's played in the league for 16 years. Kristaps Porzingis, I, I don't even know if he's ever played 84 games. You have two big guys on your roster, basically, that are starter quality. And both of them are injury concerns. And I don't love that. They're just so, so thin that it makes me nervous. If we were just starting the tournament today and playing it out, good, give me the Celtics. Love that. But we have a whole season, and I keep hearing, oh, if everybody's healthy, if everybody's healthy, the Bucks and the Celtics, they're the guys. I'm like, okay, when has everybody, everybody ever always been healthy, right? If that was the case, we would have seen the Clippers won a title by now. If that was the case, we might have seen the Nets win a title by now. Every time we crown one of these super teams where we put people together, when's the last time somebody won like that? It's been a little while. It was the Golden State Warriors, I guess. Last year was the Denver Nuggets. They didn't put it together like that. They just built a team. I think that people are a little too excited about the flashy stuff. Let's see who can, you know, kind of play together. And that's another reason why I kind of like the Bucks better. They just added Dame to a core they already have rather than, I mean, Malcolm, Marcus Smart was like, he was the Celtics to me. He was that heart and soul. You have Smart, Brogdon, Williams, and Williams. Those guys were a big part of your culture. Did they look the same this year? They have a new coach. Or no, they don't have a new coach. The Bucs have a new coach. I don't know. There's a lot of moving parts, so I'm not ready to crown anybody yet. If there's one loser in this whole thing, it's Miami, right? <laughs> they didn't get what they wanted, and the Bucks and the Celtics got better. Two of your biggest competitors are now harder to beat, and you got nothing for it. Nothing at all. And the Sixers didn't do that well either. They didn't do anything, and Harden still wants out. That's still happening. We don't know how that's going to end but keep an eye on it. Um, But yeah, anybody who is involved in this trade, the bucks, the trailblazers, the Suns, the Celtics, like I think they all got what they wanted. And I think they're all going to be pretty happy with that trade. I don't think anybody got fleeced. I don't think anybody got a short end of a stick. I, I think it was at least a B trade for everybody. I think it was pretty good. I don't know if anybody else has any opinions on it or if I've talked long enough, but that's basically what I have about it.
3: Yeah. I don't, I don't have any additional comments other than that. Well, if I just I if if it was me, though, like I think Drew Holiday is maybe the missing piece that the Celtics lost. But you do have an often injured Perzingis and now uh, losing Marcus Smart obviously was a huge, huge part of that as well. So, yeah, it's interesting to see how the Celtics are set up. But if they don't aren't able to win next year with that core of members or players, do you? have to start reconsidering is that Jason Tatum Jalen Brown duo ever going to win a championship together or do they need to find a piece that fits better for either one of those
1: players whoever they want to stick with yeah I I think personally if if they don't play well this year if you if you get to the conference finals or you get to the finals and you don't win okay that that's luck it happens sometimes But if you are significantly worse this year than you have been, I think what we need to look at is who's making those decisions in the front office uh, and asking yourself why you got rid of a team that almost beat the Warriors in the finals to add an older defender and an always injured big man when you already had an apex wing, you know, point guard defender who won defensive player of the year. You got rid of a deep. Defensive player of the year, sixth man of the year, both in one offseason, along with Robert Williams, who really unlocked your defense last year, and Grant Williams, who was one of the only guys who did a decent job at guarding Giannis Antetokounmpo. It's, it's high risk, high reward, and we'll definitely see how that plays out. But I'm a lot more nervous about it than I hear a lot of the national media, which oftentimes just means I'm wrong. But I guess we'll see once the basketball gets tipped.
2: Fair enough. Thank you for that in-depth analysis of the trade, Ariane. Appreciate the help. Any other NBA thoughts, or are we moving on to our signature segments?
1: Let's move along.
2: All right. With the MLB playoffs um, coming around the corner, we are diving into some interesting baseball rules here. This is one that I haven't actually seen, but I can definitely see it happening and could be quite the interesting situation. So let's say we've got a runner on first, less than two outs, um, and somebody hits a ground rule double, okay? Now the, let's say that runner running towards second base misses second base and starts going to third and then the ball bounces into the seats. What happens? This is, this is gonna be sort of a quiz. I don't know.
1: Uh
3: I actually don't know either. Are they? Usually out? usually I usually this is where I'm like, all right, Wyatt's got it a hundred percent.
2: Alright, Wyatt, they're relying on you. What do you got?
0: I don't know, but I feel like the right thing to do would be to put the runner on second.
2: Well, how can you put the runner on second? It was a ground rule double. Where are you going to put the back? Oh, it's
0: a ground rule double. Oh, I missed that part of it. Yes.
2: Yes. The ball bounces into the stands for a ground rule double, whether it's over the back fence or, you know, off over the side wall or whatever. It's into the stands for a ground rule double.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, I don't know the classification of a ground rule double. And, and how that plays into and uh, kind of how that plays, I guess, into the order of operations. My guess would be that that runner is out in the innings over since there was two outs, but I don't know.
2: So this is actually so the runner will get placed at third base, right? That's a thing. But since the runner missed um, since he missed second base, Um, the defending team can then go ahead and appeal just like they would on a normal play. Well, you're asking, why doesn't he just go back and touch second base? Here's where the interesting rule comes in. This is rule 5.09C and then the approved ruling for that rule. Um, No runner may return to touch a missed base after the the following runner has scored or when the ball is dead, no runner, runner may return to touch a base um, or one he has left after he's advanced to and touched a base beyond the base he missed. So in other words, he, he can once the ball goes over the fence, he cannot go back and retouch second base even. So even if he realizes it and tries to go back, it doesn't matter. He can't go back and retouch the base in that situation. He is, he, he is, he's going to be awarded third base, and then presuming the defensive team appeals, he is going to be out and there's nothing he can do about that. So you are sort of both you you you're both right in that he will get third base, but then he will be out, presuming the defensive team appeals.
0: That's what I was trying to get at when I was talking about the order of operations. I didn't have a good way to phrase that. Thinking about football, we have live ball and dead ball fouls, right? And there's some fouls that occur at the snap, and this is kind of similar to that, where as soon as the ball crosses into the stands, it's a dead ball. And I did not know what that the status correct. of the ball was. So that's kind of what I was getting at with, with those comments, but that's interesting. I did not know that.
2: Huh? I did not either. I was, but I mean, if you think about it, it makes sense because they just have to make this general provision for during a dead ball, right? Because otherwise, so in order to appeal, right, the ball has to be put back into play, right? So if you could go back and touch your base during a dead ball, It would essentially nullify all appeal opportunities because, um, right, Well, the ball was dead before they could put it back in play and appeal, you just run back and go touch your base without the liability to be put out because the ball would be dead, right? So that's sort of why this rule exists. It's not necessarily because of ground rule doubles. It's just a consequence of needing to put the ball back in play in order to appeal. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That makes sense.
2: Cool. Any questions on that rule? Kyle, do you get it? Did it make sense?
3: I got you. Yeah, that makes sense.
2: Awesome. Awesome. We have quite the accountability session today, too, as we move into a Write That Down prediction segment, because we had a lot of uh, baseball predictions that, of course, came off the board here at the end of the year. So we are going to get to work on those predictions. First off, I predicted the Royals would end the year with a worse record than the A's. It was close for a while, but the Royals uh, got hot a little bit near the end of the year and did manage to outlast the A's. So the A's finished with the worst record in baseball, and I get a nah.
0: Nah. on nah. nah.
2: um amidst the uh, call-up and all the hubbubaloo about uh, the uh, – why am I blank? The Cubs – not the Cubs, the Reds um, – Phenom Eli de la Cruz. um, You uh, threw some rain on that parade saying we'll end the year with a batting average of 250 or below. He did that. I believe his batting average was about 226 when I looked it up here, um, which is definitely below 250. So you get a ding, 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 ding. ding, ding. Wyatt, you predicted that at some point after Memorial Day, the Cubs would be in first in the NL Central. I don't believe they ever got there. Um, So I believe that is. Yeah, they didn't get there? Okay. Yeah. So, nah. nah. Kyle, you predicted the Royals will finish last in the AL Central, which they did. They did not catch the White Sox despite their hot streak, so you get a ding-ding-ding. Ding-ding-ding. ding ding Why, ding. you predicted the... Oops, I cut you off. You predicted that the Cubs would win at least one playoff game, which is tough to do when you're not in the playoffs, so, Nah.
3: Nah. Nah.
2: Kyle, you predicted the Orioles would win the AL East, which they did. So ding, 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 ding. Wyatt, you predicted that the Cubs would win the NL Central, which we already talked about, they did not. So, nah. 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 I predicted that I would win our fantasy baseball championship. I did make it to the championship game, but in the end, I finished 24 points short or something like that yeah i'm um, so close get it across the finish line i was close i gave it my all but i didn't quite get there so i get it nah nah, nah. i predicted that the twins would finish with a record that would be third or better if they were in the other two al divisions in the end they would have finished oh let me pull up the standings here to get the exact number so i'm not just um guessing on this In the end, um, they finished with a record that would have put them fourth in the AL East and fourth in the AL Central as well, or the AL West as well. They ended up finishing a game behind Seattle and two games behind Toronto for third in those respective divisions. So I get a... nah.
1: Nah. Nah.
2: Nah. And you predicted the Cardinals would get to 75 wins this year. They only got to 71. So, nah. 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 Very nice. You did however predict that they'd win a series by the end of the year, which they <laughs> did. They knocked off the Reds in the last series of the year. So ding 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 ding. ding- ding. ding 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 ding. Josh predicted that the Packers would beat the Lions by more than three. They did not beat the Lions, so they definitely didn't do it by more than three. So nah.
0: nah.
2: nah. And Wyatt, you predicted a Cyclones cover against um, OU, which, as we talked about, we did not cover that 20-point spread. So, nah.
0: nah. Nah,
1: nah,
2: That finally is the end of our accountability session. So, uh, Ariane, you want to start by getting some prediction back up on the board?
1: Yeah, let's get it started with a prediction that is barely even sports-related. Um, as I stated, don't
2: have to be sports-related. That is not true. in the bylaws.
1: Uh So NBA Media Days started today, and one of my favorite players, Jimmy Butler, showed up in style as he does. Last year, he showed up with some big, long dreads, which he did not have in the playoffs two months earlier and did not have when the season started. Uh, This year, he showed up with a classic early 2000s emo haircut, (laughs) just straight over one eye, all Looking like he just got finished listening to some My Chemical Romance. Got some facial piercings, some black fingernail paint. If you have not seen it, look it up. The videos are very funny. He's a very funny guy. Uh, But I'm going to go ahead and predict that Jimmy Butler's official NBA portrait for this year will be sporting that new emo hairstyle. Last year, he had these ridiculously long, big gold dreads on that he didn't have for any games last year. So I'm hoping that's the case again this year. I don't know how you predict that, but uh, yeah, that's what I'm going to (laughs) predict.
2: I mean, I, I, I guess single because I don't know what else to say. That's unless fair. you think it should be more than that.
1: No, I have no idea. So a single's fine. <laughs> sure, that's fine. You with just me. wanted to
2: talk to Jimmy But talk about Jimmy Butler in this episode.
1: Yeah, I always want to talk about Jimmy Butler.
2: Fair enough. Fair enough. For my prediction, I am going to say that none of the one or two seeds win the World Series. So somebody other than the Orioles. Astros, Braves, or Dodgers will win the World Series.
1: It feels like something I could calculate, but that I don't want to take the time to calculate. I mean,
2: I can pull those percentages up on fan graphs if you trust fan graphs.
1: I will trust fan graphs.
2: All right, so the fangraphs say that's going to be the odds that one of those four teams does win the World Series is 5.3 for the Orioles, plus 19.8 for the Astros, plus 26.1 for the um, Braves, plus 14.7 for the Dodgers. So, fangraphs gives one of those four teams a 66% chance. Of wow. winning the World Series. I mean, they have the buys, right? That helps a lot.
1: That's fair, yeah. So we're at, a, what, 34%? 34%, yep.
2: Yeah, just over with third.
1: I was going to say, I like a double.
2: Sure, yeah. That It seems a little generous, but that's fine. I will take the double. I was in between double and single for that, so double I'll take. Ed. Everything from Josh this week, is he still alive? Yes, he's still alive, and he watched that debacle that was the Bears this week, blowing that huge lead to the Broncos. Um, and uh, he's going to say that both the offensive coordinator and head coach, both of them, will get fired by the end of Black Monday. This double, a, I guess.
1: This is a hard one to do. Yeah. How
2: long has the head coach been there?
1: He just started. Two
3: years. Yeah, two years now.
1: I thought this was his first year. Eberflus. No,
3: yeah, I, he was there last year, I believe.
1: Oh, he was. Yep. Why did I think he just started? It's a, it's a thing that's hard to put numbers to, for sure. I'll say double. Sure.
0: That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what else to give it.
2: Yeah, I don't know.
0: I will stay in the same division and say that Dan Campbell went coach of the year.
2: I mean, if the Lions win this division, who else would win it, I guess?
0: Coach of the
1: year? Yeah. I think that McDaniel has a good chance right now. Who else could win it? Who does
2: he coach for? Why am I blanking on that? Dolphins. Oh, the Dolphins. Dolphins, sure. Is there one for each conference, or is there just one? Does anybody know?
1: There's just I one. I think there's I just one, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, looking around, I think you're looking at, like, Campbell, uh, and then depending on how some divisions go, potentially uh, – now I'm blanking on the name. Doug Peterson of the Jaguars could potentially win that, I think, if they won the division.
2: If Tampa Bay manages to win the South somehow.
1: Yeah. Other than that, I don't know. I don't know. Double, triple. I, don't I think know it's double. More than a double. Well, the question is, just, how many realistic well, candidates? It's yeah, I mean, it's hard I to was, tell.
2: But I, I was saying double because I was going to assume Detroit would win the division. But maybe it does lean towards triple because there's certainly say, no guarantee Detroit wins this division.
1: Yeah, I'm fine. And with if they triple. don't,
2: he doesn't get coach of the year. Yeah, I'm fine with triple.
1: Vikings probably win this division if I was going to guess. Still, no. That was sarcasm.
2: Oh, I did. I did not pick up that sarcasm. Who knows? <laughs> they'll beat taylor swift next week and then who knows
1: what position does she play tight end <laughs> okay
2: so triple triple, triple it is for me yeah all right
3: kyle i am predict. i'm gonna drink that kool-aid that Ariane was alluding to that some people are saying uh and i i believe the celtics will have a decent enough team next year especially with drew holiday um Being added to that roster. And I'm going to say that they finished with the best
1: record in the East.
2: Single. Realistically, it's either Celtics or Bucks, right?
1: Yeah. I think that they are both just in. Before you could make an argument for three or four teams in that top tier, it's just the Bucks and the Celtics now, really. Obviously, crazy things can happen, but like, what's our percentage cutoff for a double, you know? was it like about 30? about
2: 33 percent yeah yeah
1: Between i give them 40 percent i think they're gonna be real good All if right. everything goes to plan
2: single it is i'm fine with that i'll trust your expertise
1: and
3: for the spite the sake <laughs> of spite mike uh, uh
2: yes right, you're,
3: you've been saying that taylor swift is gonna beat the chiefs this weekend whatever the good for her Taylor swift a, is gonna
2: beat the chiefs wow well, the
3: taylor swift is coming to town and the vikings are gonna beat the chiefs this weekend uh the twin i am gonna say that the twins are gonna lose this playoff series uh against oh man who are they playing
2: don't even know who they're playing <laughs> this is pure spite this it is, it? is pure no spite. i do
3: not change anything i told you it was pure spite it doesn't change a thing. The Blue Jays. They're going to lose to yes. the Blue Jays.
2: Fan does give the Blue Jays a 57% chance to win this series. Um, so single.
1: Yeah, single, I guess. The one thing that Taylor Swift is definitely beating is my want to watch any football games involving the Chiefs. Yes. It's ho- even harder for me, the Chiefs. I hate it. It's horrible. I'm like, please stop. But yeah, single's good.
0: Cool, single it is. Well, with three singles, two doubles, and a triple, that concludes our Write That Down Prediction segment, which means we're at the end of the episode. Thank you so much for dropping by this week's episode of the 8311cast, episode 241. From now until next week's episode, be sure to check with our socials at 8311cast wherever you find us. Signing off for the 8311cast, we have your hosts... Kyle Mersh, Mike Ludwig, Ariane Barry, And Wyatt Theater. We'll talk to you all again next week. Go Cyclones!
2: Go Cyclones! Go Cyclones! Go Cyclones!
0: <laughs>